how do you price an ad on your channel? That's probably the most common question we get from other creators. And it was the biggest question we had when we first started on YouTube. So we're hosting a live workshop on how to price yourself. This is everything that we've learned in the past 13 years of being on YouTube and our simple three-step process that'll help you develop concrete pricing. So if you wanna join us for this live session, just go to colinandsamir.com slash live. Enter your email and you'll get all the information about our live event on May 9th. All right, hope you enjoy this episode of The Colin and Samir Show. This week on the Colin and Samir podcast, we are talking about Netflix's new film, The Social Dilemma. Now, this film brings up a lot of interesting topics about social media, and I would urge you to watch the film before you listen to this podcast. One, because I think it'd just be more interesting if you've already watched the film, and two, because we're definitely going to spoil the film for you uh, if you listen to this podcast. So that is your official spoiler alert. If you have not watched the film, uh, just, you know, be aware of that as you go into listening to this podcast. Now, as time has gone on, there's been a lot of conversations around how social media affects us as people and and our behavior. And the larger question at hand is, are these companies really ethical? Like, are they operating with a code of ethics? And a lot of that is what the film explores, the dilemma with social media, uh, hence the social dilemma. Now, this episode is also up on our podcast channel on YouTube right now. The link for that is in the description for this podcast. Uh, if you just type in Colin and Samir podcast, uh, you could check that out on YouTube if you want to watch it. I definitely get very passionate in this episode. Of course, we both work in social media um, and this movie just impacted me in a way that I don't think I saw coming. So um, we want to hear your guys' thoughts. We want this to be a conversation. Of course, we're, uh, you know, we're talking a lot about this topic to each other but there is a way for you guys to chime in and that now is on our podcast channel. So even if you do want to listen to this as an audio only experience, uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast, that's totally fine. Uh, Just hop over to the YouTube channel once you're done, Colin and Samir podcast YouTube channel and type your thoughts about the film and about the social dilemma in the comments. All right, without further ado, hope you enjoy this episode of the Colin and Samir podcast about the social dilemma. All right, welcome to uh, this episode of the Colin and Samir podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about the movie, The Social Dilemma. It seems like everyone is talking about this. Of course, we work in social media, so we have to watch it. Um, And it was a fascinating film. Now, I also want to address, there are cardboard boxes behind me. Why, Colin? Those are our new desks and chairs. Sent to us by Fully. uh, Awesome company. Uh, They're outfitting our office, so... Until we open these boxes, they will be here. So it's possible they'll be here for hopefully not too many podcasts because we want to set this up as soon as possible. I'm but hoping we can open them today. Yeah. That would be if great. we don't, it, it may never happen. <laughs> if not, we'll just put the cardboard boxes on top of our desks and then that'll become standing desks. Yeah. <laughs> or like we'll just leave those against the wall and call it art. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I do want to preface this conversation by saying if you haven't seen The Social Dilemma, we will spoil it for you in this podcast. Yes, exactly. Um, And if you have seen it, I think this is going to be a really interesting conversation. We have yet to talk about the film. We both watched it last night. And uh, it's, again, it's something that's been talked about by a lot of different creators. Um, And of course, I think it's on everybody's mind right now as we've been locked in our houses with most of our connection coming from our phones. Yeah, and I think the reality is for a lot of people, screen time has gone up. I know for me, my screen time has gone up uh, during this period of time. Uh, And I'm not as concerned about it, or I haven't been. It's like a a crutch that I feel like I've needed 
during this time. I need to entertain myself. I need to escape a little bit. But the social dilemma. So conceptually what the film is about and how it operates is they basically take a lot of people who have worked at an early stage in tech companies um, and interview them and talk about you know, everything from, they have, they have people like, I thought what was interesting is they interviewed the guy who created the infinite scroll. That's so interesting. And the guy who created the like button mm -hmm. at Facebook. The, the people who created and designed Gmail. And the reason that's important is because you start to understand that, and they say this in the film, but there's a few designers and product engineers who have crafted how human behavior will change and has changed. And I think it's really important to see those faces because you're like, oh, wait a second. These are just normal people who made decisions that have changed our behavior forever. Um, and there's a magnitude of that that's, that's really important. And a lot of that is rooted in uh, what Colin and I talk about a lot, which is the attention economy. So that's where I want to start the conversation is the attention economy. And they talk about this in the film. The attention economy is the idea that... Every company now, every major tech company is fighting for your attention because a lot of these companies now operate on an advertising model. And during the early internet, that wasn't necessarily the case. People were like paying for goods and services on the internet. Um, but now there's so much viewership that there's so much competition for that viewership to then serve ads to those people. So uh, a couple of interesting things. One, I thought what was interesting was like just looking at Tim Kendall when he says he's the guy who created the advertising model. And you're like, whoa, man, you're the one who created the attention economy. Really? I mean, of course it's existed forever. It's like also how entertainment works. Of course. Um, but uh, you really start to realize when paired with technology, um, one of the interesting things that they talk about in the film is that our attention is an extractable resource. And yeah, they sell it like, getting, like oil futures. Exactly. They it to, yeah. And people are getting really good at extracting that resource from us, extracting our attention. So, you know, at the core of it, if, if you know, technology is in the attention economy, what is the product? We are the product. Us as users are the product. And there was a quote that I wrote down. Um, it's not just us that is the product. Uh, this is a quote from the film. It's the gradual, slight, imperceptible change in your own behavior and perception. That's the product. Yeah, I thought that was a really nuanced distinction that I really enjoyed seeing. Because you've heard a lot, of course, these tech companies are gathering our data. But they're not necessarily selling data. They're selling these companies that are looking to advertise the confidence that you will actually make a decision and click this button, purchase that product. So that's the data, really. It's not just numbers. It's numbers that have to do with whether we all will take an action. So it does affect our, our daily lives. There was an interesting point in the film where they're talking about how our brains are running on hardware that is millions of years old, but these algorithms uh, and these social platforms are running on software that's updated so quickly at rates that we've never seen before in human existence uh, ever before. Like nothing has ever updated as quickly mm -hmm. as some of these social media platforms are. And that our brains are millions of years old, the hardware, and they're not equipped to keep up at this rate. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's, a, there's just this interesting thing as well that um, these are businesses. So 
you know, at the core, we are the product, right? The, the change in our behavior is the product and we are the product. That means that we are less profitable when we are not looking at our phones and not engaging in social. And of course, as any business, you want to be as profitable as possible. So of course, they're trying to keep us in the world and trying to keep us on our phones because we are, we are not, prof if we're the product, we're not profitable for them if we're not there. So you got to keep us in the room. So I think what's interesting about that though, is that we are people that are keeping people's attention. We exist on right. these platforms, right? And we yeah, are creators on these platforms. Everything that we just described is also our business. We also are extracting attention from people. And that's when, not news to us. No. I feel like that's not news to a lot of people who work in this industry. I saw a lot of conversation on Twitter around that, that point that, you know, I'm surprised people didn't know about this earlier. Mm -hmm. right. Well, I, again, I was ready to be like, all right, let me watch this thing that I already know about. Same. Uh, but it still, it hit me in a very different way. Agreed. Yeah. Um, I think the reality is though, you start to recognize like, in entertainment, you're doing this too. You're trying to get people's, you know, butts and seats. You're trying to show them something. Um, a lot of times movies change ideology. Um, films and TV shows can change the national conversation. Um, so it, it's not like it's something that's brand new, um, but it, the the speed and the the profitability of what it is is, is is totally changed. And for us, when it comes to like attention being an extractable resource, like we sit and talk about yesterday, we, we did a, um, a live webinar where we talked about click-through rate and average view duration, right? That was something that I started to think about is like, we are learning. We can't learn as fast as an algorithm, but we're learning what decisions we can make to ensure that you click. How to give the algorithm what and it's that, looking for. And to give people what they're looking for. More than the algorithm, we're learning how to make someone click. Because of course, but we need the people, algorithm first. Those people are cogs in the algorithm. Like right. the algorithm is moving those people around. They talk about this in the film that, you know, the algorithms, they set up a version of what success is. And then it's the platform's job to follow that algorithm and trying to make people behave in a way that fits that mold of what success is, of the amount of time they want people spending but once they, on the platforms. And, and once they come across it, see, the, the algorithm can feed our video, but once they come across it, it's our job to make them click. We designed the thing to make them click. We're helping the algorithms, you know, we're working hand in hand with it. And then once they click, it's our job to keep them watching. It's our job to drive the average view duration. It's the decisions we make when we're writing. It's the decisions we make in the editing process to say, wait a second, if we do that, people might not watch long enough. We need them to watch longer. What's interesting though, is if it's not our video that does the job, another video will fill that void. Mm -hmm. So we're fighting as well for the extractable resource. We're also fighting with other people saying, wait, no, we want the attention. Our profit is dependent on if we can extract attention from people. How did you reckon with that responsibility? Like, did you feel any responsibility, any sort of guilt to be involved in that process when they talk about the harmful effects of social media, especially when they talk about uh, the suicide rates and the self-harm rates going up for young girls? That was like, that was, dis that was super disheartening. Horrible. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I have always believed, I mean, the reason I'm in this business uh, and doing the craft that we do 
is because I've believed from a very early age that media can shape ideology. Uh, and I think we're seeing that more than ever now. I could have never predicted that it would happen in this way. Um, but the reason I'm in this is because I think that media can shape ideology. Now, people like you and I, people like Yes Theories, some of our friends, we all have really good intentions. We're at the positive side of this, where yes, we are keeping you on the platform, but our intention is to keep your attention in a way that is from what we perceive as like positive connection, uh, feeling less lonely, feeling you know more inspired. Um, and the reality that I think you have to reckon with um, being in this business, but also being in any sort of internet business now, is that the entire world has two sides of a coin. If you're trying to be the most positive person, you're also playing in a field where there's an opposite side to that coin. It's the same concept of like, you know, and this is going really deep into a, another conversation, but it's the same concept of like, we live in America and we really enjoy our freedom here. But how did that happen? Someone was, there was a, there was a negative side to this, right? Of yeah. how we are able to exist in this way. And here's what I think is interesting. As you said, without a doubt, as fact, we're on the positive side of this platform. And I agree with you mm -hmm. that we're on the positive side of this platform. And that's what I thought as well. I said, oh, well, we're, we're telling positive stories. We're telling inspiring stories. But there was a point in the film towards the end that really resonated with me uh, where all of the talking heads are saying, basically 20 years from now, if we don't change course, we're going to end up in civil war, Armageddon, climate destruction, if we don't change these algorithms and, and regulate them and regulate these social platforms. And I think that, that 20 years to doomsday scenario could probably be said by a staunch conservative cohort of people who say, if we keep going down this liberal path, we're 20 years from doomsday. And the probably extreme liberal side could look at the conservative path and say, we're 20 years from doomsday. Yeah, there's... And I uh, think it was... And it was interesting to me that, like, actually, a lot of these opposing sides hold the same viewpoint just about each other, right? So it's mm -hmm. interesting when you say, like, we're on the positive side of this. Uh, and it goes in line with what you're saying. Like, you just... It, it's difficult because you can't have one positive... You can't have one side without the other. You cannot have loud without quiet. Yeah, right? he, he, yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I think uh, 20 years is really optimistic. It, especially when... To civil war. Yeah, I think that's super... Look at where we are right now. That to me was the most frightening I think that is... The, the my brother and I talk about this all the time. We're on the cusp. We're not that far. Whatever happens in this election, it doesn't, like, to that extent, almost doesn't matter because what has happened here, and this is something that my brother and I talk about, we cannot agree upon truth. Yeah. We cannot agree upon truth. When we were growing up, there were universal truths. There was national truths. There was things that we all agreed upon that were like, oh, those are, yeah, those are truths. And without truth, without being able to agree upon truth, we are not a nation. I thought that was a very discouraging part of the film, actually, when he said, for this to reverse itself, we need to agree on truth. So, very and, discouraging. And that, to me, felt like that won't happen. 
So there's a quote that I wrote down that someone said, he said, if we do not have a shared understanding of reality, we are not a country. That's the truth. Now, we don't have a shared understanding of reality. I live in a different reality than you. And we live in a different reality than someone who lives in Alabama or Kentucky or Florida or Texas or Arizona or, or, you know, somewhere else in the world, like, or we could live in a similar truth to someone, you know, all the way across the world. And like, that is why I think that's really optimistic to say that we're 20 years away from like a strong clash because we're all living different truths. And, um, the most frightening part of the film I thought was what, uh, when they started going into the real life scenarios, the Pizzagate scenario, the Myanmar scenario was insane. When I saw the Myanmar scenario, which I was not familiar with really, I looked at that and thought, well, how are we different? We're not. We're so, not. so let me, uh, for, again, if you're watching this, cause you're just like, give me the spoilers, let me give it to you. So, um, in Myanmar, what happened is, you know, and this is happening, dude, this is happening in so many countries right now, but they're essentially, um, they're able to, you know, give out cell phones. Like in India, for example, they, um, have cell phones very cheap and they come pre-installed with apps. Uh, in Myanmar, one of those apps was Facebook and you already had an account. They start the account for, they start you, the when account you, the for you when you purchase the phone. And that is definitely, you know, a um, agenda. And when I don't know, I don't remember if this was the case or not, but, um, you know, the government was able to feed in Facebook groups that were anti-Muslim and start to create a national consciousness against uh, Muslims in Myanmar. And it led to mass killings. It led to lynching and burning of houses. And it led to a mass exodus of Muslims from the country. That is crazy. The fact that um, they can implant, like, like you can change human behavior by, you know, spreading information um, is exactly what I wanted to do as a kid when I thought about filmmaking. Oh, you can spread, you can spread love and it, ideas. And like, we learned about will and grace in college. And it was like, wow, that's amazing. Like people slowly started to accept, uh, homosexuality through this show. That's awesome. I want to do that. Mm -hmm. But the tool, the tools have become so powerful in the way that they operate because of the fundamental concept that they are profit profitable, right? Because of the financial incentive to keep people and feed them what they want to see. If all of a sudden they, they brought up the flat earth thing. If, if you love, if you watched, if your AVD on a flat earth doc was 20 minutes, they're going to give you another one and another one and another one and another one and another one. They're not going to give you the, anything else. That's what keeps you on the platform. You are not profitable if you're not watching. So they'll keep you watching. And that is, uh, that creates a divide that is wild. There's one quote that I, I thought was really important, which was, um, there's only two industries that call their customers users, illegal drugs and social media. That one hit home. Yeah. They're, they, they, these companies have to keep us on the hamster wheel. And again, there's ways that that is awesome because you get to connect with people. You get to hear inspiring stories. You get John Krasinski with some good news. You get all these cool things. Um, 
but then it's also really easy for you to just establish a truth that is dangerous um, to some. So I thought that at the core of it, the threat to our democracy, the threat to the way we live our life is the concept that there is no longer universal truth and everyone can establish their own. And if you leave human beings on their own to establish their own truth, we're no longer one, right? Yeah, we'll all take no abs- longer, actions yeah. based on our truth. And leaders will emerge. And, and they talk about in the film, the problem is there are now a billion different truths. Mm-hmm. And a billion different realities. And we are um, for sale in an auction marketplace. Our behavior and our attention is for sale in an auction marketplace. I really it goes to the highest bidder. In the film, they showed that. They showed how the algorithm works and manipulates someone with a scripted scene that was very much out of a sci-fi movie mm-hmm. where there were uh, actual people moving the cogs and making the decisions uh, and manipulating a person, deciding what to show them at what time. So let's talk about the filmmaking there. Um, the first instance of that I watched, I was like, this is so corny. Same. I, I, it I was- felt like it was like an 80s weed commercial. You know what I mean? Where it's like, don't do drugs, kids. Your brain will look like mush. You know, and I was like, okay. Outside of that, I thought the storytelling was great until that first moment, and then I was disappointed. Yeah. However. Yeah, I had a a change as well. I had a change of heart. I did think it was really important to put a human character and a human face making the decisions of an algorithm. Because when you see a human make those decisions, it hits home for how potentially manipulative and malicious it can actually come across. So I agree with that. I actually thought the reason it was impactful at the end of the movie is because it seemed so over the top, but then over the course of the film, you're like, wait a second, that's not over the top. That's actually our world. mild. I actually thought by the end, those narrative scenes, those scripted scenes were mild in comparison to the news clips that they would show. Uh, They did a really good job with that because... um, it's, it's almost like in college, I watched The Matrix and I wrote a paper around how The Matrix was predicting the future, that we would all live in a you know digital world. And it was actually someone who had like Nostradamus style, like uh, foresight into what was going to happen. Like watch, if you watch The Matrix now, and if they in- integrated scenes from The Matrix into this, like in the beginning, you'd be like, okay, but that's a movie, that's real life. Those aren't the same thing. Or like, that's so over the top, it can't be real. But over time, you're like, wait a second, no, that is exactly what's happening. And that made it very impactful for me by the end where I was like, no, this is a sci-fi movie that we're living in. Totally. Yeah, no, this is. And um, again, a couple more quotes. It was, uh, whether this is utopia or oblivion will be a touch and go relay race until the final moment. Until the final moment. What a terrifying movie, honestly. They said we are we are existing in a simultaneous utopia and dystopia, and that is true. That's what I'm saying. That like, um, you know that that I think is true actually of a lot of things. I don't think that's just true of social media. I think that's true of life at times. Um, that there's there's like two sides to every coin, no matter what, there's two sides to every coin. But yeah, I mean, it it hit home because like, it's not like we're getting less integrated with our phones and with technology. It's not like we're getting less integrated. Every advancement is making us more integrated because 
And they talk about that in the film, that this is only going to be increasing. Mm -hmm. And I think actually this is where the film falls short and maybe intentionally so. But there was one point in the film where they say that we can demand that these products are used humanely. I don't necessarily know what that means. Yeah, the the way that uh, they said it is that I wrote this down. So the, I, I was trying to find like, what is the tangible solution? And then this is not going to happen. But they said the companies need to be financially incentivized to create universal truth. But Mark Zuckerberg has said, yeah, it's not his goal exactly to be the arbiter of truth. Right. So that that means that it's not going to happen. And that, then they said that they could potentially tax these companies for the amount of data that they collect. But I didn't know if that was actually like, is that really going to work? Because they still need to get the data. They still need to get the best possible data to understand how we're going to to move throughout the world. It's really challenging because we, again, we our attention and our behavior is an extractable resource. Uh, and there's people who are getting really good at crafting algorithms and crafting even content. Like, what if someone's as good at Mr. Beast as Mr. Beast at uh, sharing ideas? Whose They're, intentions are fully evil. Yeah. I thought about that. Uh, that's definitely going to happen. And maybe is already happening. We don't know. I mean, they look at Zuckerberg straight up in the film. They show a news clip where they ask him straight up if Facebook had a role in the election. And he like can't answer the question because he knows it did. And so there you go, right? There's people who are really good at moving around. You know, I think there was something about misinformation that there was like misinformation about COVID or, or something that, that had over 52 million impressions before it got taken down. So it's like, yeah, that's happening. There's information that people can come up with that they can make up that they can, but it could be their own truth. They could be living in that truth and they could share it, but then influence 50 million people to exist in that same truth that then becomes detrimental to the concept and the fabric that we all happily exist together. And I think that is the danger is that somehow human beings have crafted this thing where it's like, okay, we're in, a, we're in the United States and we're all American and we all are okay with each other and everything's fine. And like, I'm not scared when I walk outside that someone's gonna, you know, throw, shoot a bow and arrow at me or a gun or something like that. But what if that breaks because everyone's living in different truths? What if that, what if that breaks? That is terrifying. <laughs> so it's a terrifying film right up to the very end. Yeah. And I... They, tr they try and turn it around at the end. But, but here's what's interesting. Yeah. I think it was an intentional decision to offer advice and optimism as the credits roll. Mm -hmm. I think that is symbolism from the filmmaker mm -hmm. saying it's too late. Yeah, I agree. The I thought it was so dark that they And they're that. offering advice. The thought, movie's over. I thought that was really dark. And they're offering you advice for how this is going to get better. I was like, how dare they? Man, yeah. I uh, so how, I, asking you the question too. As people who are part of the world of extracting attention from, uh, you know, others and who play in the attention economy, um, how do you feel? Like, how did you reckon with being a part of it? Well, I found myself saying a lot of times, "Well, my stories are good stories. My stories are positive stories." Um, but then it comes down to that idea that like, well, I believe I'm on the positive side of the, of the coin, but I'm only existing on one side of the coin. Right. 
So of course, like, yeah, I know our stories are uplifting and I know they're positive, but it's hard to, I don't know how I'm and the content that we're making is fitting into someone's life, how they're receiving it, how it's making them feel at any given time. Yeah. And what's interesting is the better we get at making content, the more we keep you on the platform. That's why we're valuable to YouTube. That's why YouTube pays us, right? That's why we, they cut us in because they say, you guys get good at this. You help, you help me keep people here. Mm-hmm. So as long as we keep people here, we're all happy. <laughs> and that's when I was like, wow, that is crazy. Like our job is to keep you watching. Yeah. The, the solace I have is that I don't, I know I'm not making fake news. Uh, I'm telling stories. I'm not out here peddling conspiracy theories or even with uh, an agenda necessarily outside of like telling positive stories. Yeah. I think the important thing again is that there's going to be a big clash and like is the is the civil war that I think is going to happen going to happen in the same way that the civil war happened in you know the, uh, the the last civil war in the US? No, I don't think so. I think it might happen online, which I think it's happening now. There's two sides that are aggressively going after each other and trying to grab people onto their side, right? It's happening. So, I think that the arms in this um, in this war is uh, a lot of the arms are are the, the capacity to tell stories. Like the only way that you can unite people is the same way you divide them, which is through content, through media, through yeah, stories. Pro- propaganda is not new. Yeah, it's not like, new. It's been around and utilized for ages, but there's never been a machine. Yeah, that helps like, it. Like yeah. social media. Yeah. It's scary, man. It's, it's, it's really scary. There's, I, I wrote down these three things because I thought it was, it was kind of interesting. There's like the national interest, right? Which is like, let's unite and create a great country that you know, has a booming economy and really at the core of it, like what's the purpose of this? Just so, pe- so people can live happily, right? <laughs> like, so people can just be like living and be like, okay, cool. I exist and I'm happy and I can, yeah, anyway. So that's like the national interest. There's like your personal interest, which is like, you know, you developing your own set of, you know, truths and just like feeling good about your life. And then that all is, um, is, is kind of usurped by the business interest of the companies. And that's where it gets really confusing is like in the past, um, you know, propaganda and, and, just like the ability to spread information. Yes, it's t- it's always been tied to some level of like business interest, but not the business interest of just pure eyeballs. Eyeballs like of of attention, which makes it so much more enticing to just do whatever it takes to grab someone's attention. And if the algorithm if they if the algorithm understands that all it needs to do is keep your attention, it's not making human decisions for national interest. And that's the question is, are these companies responsible for taking national interest into consideration or not? And I mean, I think most of the companies say no. Yeah, they say no, but... They they, say people can make their own choices. Yeah, our platforms are just reflections of people. But all of our fears from Terminator to Matrix to, to all of those dystopian movies where robots took over, like... Isn't it here? We're not, our human will is not stronger than the algorithm. 
The algorithm is making decisions and implanting things in our minds. So, we, so we sound like a conspiracy theorist podcast or like radio show right now. But what do you? Okay, if if that's how you feel at the end of the movie, if you're in line with the doomsday scenario, how do you go to bed? How do you get up the next day? What decisions do you make? How do you change yourself? What do you do? Before I watched the film, I actually deleted Instagram, and I haven't had it for about a week. Uh, which has been wildly refreshing. I don't think that that is the answer. Like, I don't think the answer is like, delete all your social, burn your phone, like run away. Like we're in it now. Um, I just think it's awareness. Like, I think it's awareness. This is human evolution. Like we are all evolving. We are all um, getting to a point now where I think this movie is really important because it's just like, hey, let's all just be aware of what's going on. Let's all be aware that these things are designed to send us down rabbit holes. The most important thing is that we all get back to a point where we can have conversations, where we don't just go down rabbit holes of like one side and create our own truths, but we are open to other truths. Like we're open to hearing someone else's opinion. Because I think that that is uh, one of the most important things of human beings is like the word of mouth storytelling, the perspective sharing which social media can do, but just recognize it. Not necessarily the way that the algorithms are designed. Yeah, it's not really designed so like it's almost that. like yeah. we're going to need to counteract the amount of conversation on social media with some sort of real-life interaction, like the way yeah. that communities used to be, where mm-hmm. like just in your own geographic area, you were interacting with people who hopefully were different yeah. than you were. Um, that's what I think and that's is like the, difficult right now. It's very challenging, especially because this is all compounded because we're all got locked in our houses. Yeah. So it's like you can't actually go out and see someone's perspective. You, um, you realize that like when you're growing up, the environment you live in and the access to uh, different perspectives is so important, right? Like mm-hmm. it's so yeah, for sure valuable to see that as a truth. I mean, I think my truths have been made up by when I was younger. I mean, since I've been a kid, I've been flying to India and flying to Asia and flying all over the world to experience, and I've been lucky to do that, but experience different cultures and different people. And it gives me a better understanding of just human beings and how things work. But if you're, if you don't open your mind to other perspectives, um, you get really caught up in just a singular view of the world and the world's really complex. It's super complex and human beings are complex. And um, at the core of it, like I think what we all want is pretty similar. And I think that starts to get caught up in, in a lot of differences, but I think what we want is similar. It's just like to exist, you know, and like to be comfortable. Um, and that's a challenge. That's already a challenging task. And, uh, so I, I think that um, traveling and opening up your mind to other perspectives makes you recognize that other, like people are similar and there are some universal things that, that we all kind of crave and it allows us to find common ground. Uh, but in the absence of that, I think that's what, what is important right now of like a film like this is just raising awareness around the concept of opening up you know, your mind and recognizing what is happening on social, that these are businesses. Did this film make you think about what it would mean to be a parent and how would you parent? Yeah, it did. Yeah, Uh, I thought about that a lot in terms of how I would deal with 
social media use, phone use, screen time. It's hard because who knows I, what that's going to be like at that time. You have no idea what that's going to oh. be like. Yeah, I, I find that to be very difficult. But um, something that came to mind was listening to Dr. Philip Goff from the mm-hmm. Center for Policing Equity. He's talking about how you know children are much smarter than I think we give them credit for. And you can't just tell them the way the world should be. They need to see it in their eyes, right? Like if you tell them you should respect everyone, um, you should value diversity. They're not going to believe it unless it's, it's a true part of their world that they're existing in, right? That like they just live day to day in their classroom, in their community. And I think that's what's difficult, but what I think is important when I think about parenting is like, how do you put your kids in an environment that actually is most representative of the world you would like to see? Yeah, I think the question is just going to be like, what does all of this look like at that time? Who knows? I, I, I do think that, again, like there's some base level understandings that I think are just Im- important to go into all of this with is like, you know, number one, it's um, in my opinion, what's what I value is being open to perspectives, being open to hear people out, never being um, so so bullish and strong in, in my opinions that I can't be open to someone else uh, and someone else's experience. Of course, I have certain values that are like my values, um, but there's a lot in my life that's like that I'm open to hearing and open to change. Um, and I think that's a really important piece is like not taking, um, not like, like not uh, cutting yourself off from listening to someone else's perspective, even if it's like something you disagree with. So I think that's a num- number one. And then number two, like this truth of um, what was important about this film. Uh, and I think why it's called the social dilemma is because like a dilemma is, a dilemma is something that's like a pickle. It's like really challenging yeah. to figure out. It's like it's it's both good and evil. Exactly. It's it's good. It's good and bad. And it's understanding that there uh, that these things that we we use now, our phones and our um, like the the way we interact with the world. There's a dilemma here. There's like business incentives. There's um, uh, there's a lot of comparison. Like there there's so many dilemmas with it. Uh, and some of it's good. Like again, like my dad on Facebook gets to connect with uh, someone he went to college with and like gets to chat with him. And that's crazy. Like, I mean, I'm sitting here with you because of that. Right. Right. Like, yeah. Because of social media. So, um, yeah, I think just understanding the world doesn't exist exactly as like, I, I also don't think like how we've presented it as like two sides of a coin. I think there's like a hundred sides of the coin. I don't think there's two. I think the world does not exist in like either good or evil. Um, there, there's also this like strange, kind of gray area that's like really confusing to navigate. Um, and, and the only way you can navigate it is by creating your own like sense of human values and then listening and being open to, to other people's perspectives. Overall though, I thought it was a great film. I think it's a Im- very important film for right now. Dark film. It, but we're in a dark time. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, again, not crazy. to be so dystopian, but we're in a dark time. And I think the film just presents an awareness that's really important. Um, for everyone, like to be like, oh yeah, okay, let's let's realize what's happening right now, and let's try and like acknowledge it, even if we like go down the path of like feeding ourselves content through this this engine and like feeling really good, laying in bed, looking at news, which is something I do. Let's also recognize that this is meant 
to keep my eyes on it. And so it's feeding me certain things. So let me actively understand another perspective. Let me actively shut this down for a second and take a day off to like recalibrate who I am. Yeah. Without, with the absence of the algorithm. Like, let me live without it for a little bit and understand that it's a presence in my life that it's not going to go away. It's going to get stronger. So let me get stronger as my own independent being and then understand how to interact with it. And these platforms are one of the best tools to spread messaging. And they talk about this in the film that you can use these platforms to spread this exact messaging that you just mm-hmm. gave right there mm-hmm. of like constructive advice and awareness mm-hmm. and having that conversation. So like my hope is that this conversation, which is now coming up with the social dilemma, gets more ingrained uh, on these social platforms and is a story that's told more and more and more. I I think we have to make, like our job as creators and storytellers, in my opinion, I don't want to, I don't want to hold this as everyone's like job as a creator, but one of the things that I would like to do is to create a, um, a world where conversation, open-mindedness and healthy debate is aspirational. I don't think that is the current way. I think that's, problem I have with what social has done is like, it's just yelling your opinion. That's exciting on social. And that's what we're seeing from our leaders uh, and aspirational characters that I think what would be really cool is if we have like two people with opposing views who are aspirational characters sitting and having a healthy debate and finding some level of middle ground, understanding what do you do when you disagree with someone? Let's show people what that looks like. And that I think can over time then create a, uh, hopefully a scenario where it's like, oh yeah, it's aspirational that in my life, when I disagree with someone, I like am open to hearing their opinions. Um, and that's a huge task, but that's what I would say is there's an opportunity to do with this tool to like spread that as something that's, that's aspirational. And those conversations are more difficult than just sending out a tweet from your computer. Oh, they're, they're way difficult. more difficult, but I think I agree with you. If you find the right people who do have a lot of influence to stand up and have those types of conversations and start to normalize what it looks like to have a respectful conversation of two opposing sides, that's, that's an image and a story that's not being told that I don't even know what that looks like now. And I think there needs to be constant reminders that what is taking place on your phone is not the whole story. The constant reminders, like this film is a reminder of that. That's like, okay, there's, there's things that just came up on your feed. Um, now evaluate them and then also get other perspectives and then also go learn about something else. That's a tall task to ask people because now we take whatever happens on the phone as a universal truth. We're living in a wildly no, interesting time. Not to, um, <laughs> not to call them out, but uh, a, a newsletter that I really love called The Future Party, which you and I both love, um, sent out an email yesterday about Amazon creating a uh, bike that rivals Peloton. Yeah. I read it, believed it, took it as a truth. Today, they sent an email saying, we apologize. Amazon has nothing to do with that bike. Had I not read that email, I would have just lived being like, oh, Amazon created that bike. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's a very small, it's a a small example, but I'm saying like- It also just speaks to human nature though, how quickly we are to take something as true and to trust. I don't know who really runs Future Party. Right, right. Yeah. Like, and then you go even deeper of like a random tweet that you and I will see and we'll be like, dude, did you see this? You know? Yeah. Or a YouTube comment. We made a choice on how we were going to film this podcast based on a YouTube comment. 
you know yeah, what I mean? one comment one amongst comment amongst thousands, thousands of people we were like oh okay yeah you're right yeah our framing is not that interesting yeah. we should put this couch in the yeah. background <laughs> so it's like the way that we're accepting um truth i think just that is the opportunity to open people's minds to like how do you accept truth and i don't know if that nets out you know uh, I don't know how that nets out, but I, that's the only thing I can take away from it is like, I feel like we're becoming better at capturing attention, spreading messaging. And if we can uh, take some of the stuff that we learned about in this film and awareness from just our own, you know, existence and be like, what would, what do we feel like is the world we want to live in? A very dark moment where there's, there's like that con congressional hearing and there's a guy who's like, I'm 62 years old and this conversation scares the hell out of me. I'm going to be dead by the time this all comes to a head. But am I listening to this correctly? Is this as scary as I'm thinking it is? And then the scene cuts. Great filmmaking. But yeah. like, yeah, we're young. We're Sometimes gonna, I can't believe we're going to be around for this. We're going to be around for this. It's really hard to make this in like a, a, like a, a light version of it. But I think the light version is the opportunity. You know, the light yeah. version is like, hey, if you're a storyteller, you're watching this, like, um, you know, understand how powerful the, the skill set is of telling stories and capturing attention. You know, it is that powerful. And like, what do you want to do with that now? That is one part of this that feels good is that I know I have the tools and I'm growing the skill set yeah. to spread messaging yeah, yeah. on these platforms. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, uh, bravo to the filmmakers. I thought they did a really good job. Uh, also important to take this film as a film. Um, totally. Super important to take this film as a film. Uh, it's a great piece of uh, storytelling. There's a lot of interesting perspectives. Again, it's a perspective. So you evaluate it and then go get more perspectives. I thought that was interesting. We have, I feel like in my life, I give documentaries more of my trust because they're a documentary. It's on Netflix. I should believe it. Again, it's true. But- they have their storytelling agenda as well. They pick certain types of music that make you the feel- The music was- Certain types yeah. of ways to be extra scared at certain times. So, so there is a moment where they're describing how the algorithm works and the music is Inception Doomsday. And I was like, if you change this to like really fun, you'd be like, wow, so smart. These guys are amazing. This totally. is so cool that they made this. Like, uh, And I thought that was important to note is- um, they were actively wanting you to feel that this is bad. Uh, and the music was the signal for that. And uh, you, again, like this piece of filmmaking affected me a lot. You can hear it in the way I'm talking today. Like it affected me a lot. And um, what's important now is to like have conversations about it, get other people's perspectives, like learn every angle of this if you are interested in it. Um, and just to not like take it as 100%. It's still a film. Um, and it brought up some really good points, but you know, yeah, it's yeah. still a film at the end of the day. All right. Uh, let's reveal our screen times. All right, let me see. <laughs> That's how we're going to end this episode. Uh, let's see. So, um, where did, where, where is that? I, get my screen time. I don't even remember. Uh, it's not a good sign that we don't even know how to access our screen time. Yeah. How do you, um, screen time. Where did you get it? Oh, screen time. There it is. All right. What's your daily average? Two hours and 19 minutes a day. <laughs> Mine's three hours and 29 minutes. What's your uh, most used? How do I find that? 
<laughs> I don't know. I do one hour of social networking a day. Okay. But I don't know how to find per app. All right. So we're taking a look at oh, our screen time boy. right now. What do you got? What do you got? Let's okay. See. My most used is Instagram. Two hours and 43 minutes. Wow. Well, again, I don't have Instagram. So Instagram's not even on mine. My most used is YouTube. Five hours and 39 minutes of YouTube. This week. This week. Uh, my second is Waze. And that's because we just went to Joshua Tree. My third is Messages, then Netflix, and then Instacart. <laughs> 39 minutes on Instacart. Yeah. Mine is uh, Instagram, Messages, my email, Google Maps, YouTube Studio. It's fascinating. It's fascinating that they even give you these tools to evaluate this for yourself. It just makes me want to like move to the woods of Montana <laughs> for a month or six months or something. I think we should do, uh, I think we should do an experiment where we like, um, yeah, I think it'd just be fun, but like delete all social from our phones. Just have messaging and yeah. Yeah. Because what's funny, and this is, this is the la this is what I'll end this podcast with. Cause I know we've gone long on this. Um, but we do want to hear if you guys have watched The Social Dilemma. Like, obviously, we have more thoughts than I even knew as we've gotten into this, and I'm more passionate about it than I knew. Um, so we'd love to hear your guys' thoughts if you've watched The Social Dilemma. We also want to know about your screen time. What is your screen time? We'd love to hear that. Put that in the comments. Um, and the, the one thing that I always think is so funny, I, it was a comedian who said this, said, calling a phone, like calling this a phone is like, calling a car a glove compartment yeah. because because the phone is arguably the least used feature on this. It's just an app that you don't really use that much. Totally. And that's something that's really interesting is uh, I, I've always thought that was really funny. So um, yeah, we'd love to hear more perspectives in, in the spirit of what we just talked about. Like if you totally disagree with us, put that in the comments. Let's have, let's have a healthy debate in the YouTube comments. That sounds crazy. But you know, put your thoughts in the YouTube comments. We'd love to have this conversation. We'd love to hear more. We are creators. We're invested in social media. Um, so this stuff really affects us. And um, obviously you're watching right now. So it'd be really interesting to hear your perspective on it. Make sure to subscribe to the channel, like the video and keep watching. <laughs> That's it this week for the Colin and Samir podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed that episode. And um, yeah, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the film. Have you seen it? Uh, if you haven't, then uh, you can still chime in on the topic uh, based on what you just listened to us talking about. So head over to our podcast channel, make sure you subscribe uh, and drop a comment on that video. We're having a lot of fun filming these podcasts and just kind of exploring and, and being a little bit more loose on our podcast channel. So uh, we'd love to hear your feedback on the channel. Uh, we'd also love to hear your thoughts on this conversation and on the film, The Social Dilemma. Um, so let us know. Also, we are doing some giveaways right now with the moment. So stay tuned to Twitter. We just did a giveaway and a free webinar that had to do with our online storytelling course. The next one is coming in mid-October. So just stay tuned to us on Twitter. We'll be letting you guys know about these giveaways and these, these webinars. We had a blast doing it. Uh, it was live over Zoom and it was super fun. So stay tuned for that. And if you do want to take our online course, the link for that is also in our description. You can just you know, go to shopmoment.com and look up lessons, find Colin and Samir. And we do have a code for you. It's tell better stories, all lowercase, tell better stories, uh, all one word. And that will get you 10% off on our online storytelling course. All right. That's it this week for the Colin and Samir podcast. We'll see you guys back here. And if you do want to see us doing the podcast, you can check out our podcast channel and we'll see you there. All right. See ya.